This is episode 283 of the AWS podcast, released on December 12th, 2018. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back for an episode in our special series. This is from the AWS security and compliance team. So take a listen, and if you'd like to give us your feedback, you can send it to podcast at amazon.com, and of course, keep on building. Welcome to the AWS Security and Compliance Podcast. I am Laramie. And I'm Katie. For this episode, we've taken your questions directly from our compliance inbox. And today, a special treat, we have the VP of Security, Chad Wolf. He's here to give us some answers because our answers would not be good enough. Welcome, Chad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Welcome, Chad. Lucky all of you who get to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you have the answers. That's the key part of this. Right? <laughs> Before we get started, just to get to know you a little bit more, Chad, um, we know that you've been here at AWS for an eight incredible years. I mean, really seeing just the incredible growth of the industry and this company. What's the biggest change that you've seen in that time? Gosh, the biggest change we've seen in the time that I've been here, um, you know, when I started, we weren't even reporting separately under Amazon's financial statements. We were just like this other bucket of, of stuff that Amazon was doing, and it was so little that no one even paid any attention. But I remember, you know, the idea of the cloud was a really cool thing back then. Like, everyone was getting very excited about this idea of the cloud, but other competitors hadn't jumped in. Nobody was really doing anything real with it because they just kind of saw it as like an idea. Um, I think what's similar today is like blockchain, where a lot of people know about what the blockchain thing is and how you know it could be beneficial to processing transactions, but nobody really paid attention until blockchain technology got really popular and lucrative, and so all of a sudden now people pay attention. So back then, that's the kind of the state we were in. There wasn't a lot of real evidence that it was it would work. And in the meantime, I joined 2010, and we were watching the the growth of the revenue, and we we're all internally getting very excited. People are using this. People are actually, you know, using S3 and EC2 and and big customers and for really cool workloads. So um, it's just grown from there. You know, with AWS launching all kinds of new services every year, it's just super exciting to see what customers are doing with our with our services. And you were the compliance person. Person, right? Like yeah, there's one, the, and that was one, you. Yeah. It was Chad. Well, it's funny because when I started, you know, the the business case for a compliance person or a security assurance person wasn't really well understood or accepted. You know, some people were just like, we don't we don't really need someone like you in our fast pace. Our enterprise is really going to use this cloud thing. Yeah, no. Know. Well, they didn't really. No one really connected the dots between enterprise workloads and having a strong assurance program. Like they didn't make that connection. What everyone thought was if we make our services great enough, then everyone will use it anyway, regardless of how much transparency we have. So it's been a really it's been really cool to see since that time growing the assurance program to get more and more transparency to customers and really delighting customers because they've they're they're really happy to see not only that we're transparent but also that we're doing a lot of great stuff in security much much better than maybe a lot of enterprises can do internally they see that recognize it and say wow you guys really have got this figured out internally um, much, much better than we could. You're doing the undifferentiated heavy lifting in that space. We're going to use your services even more. So we've seen more adoption because of the, the the transparency. I've heard that eight years ago, AWS was on like one floor of one building. Is that right? Uh, or is that overstated? No, we had uh, we were on two floors, uh, and then infrastructure was on the other two. Okay, and it yeah. was uh, it was in our one of our smaller buildings. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like. 
This is just a ragtag little Going out team. to lunch with sales was just a couple of guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, literally literally three guys, three salespeople. When I, first I was like, well, maybe that will work. Yeah, you know, just yeah, like yeah. throwing everything at the wall, yeah, seeing exactly. what sticks. There's definitely parallels, though, like you were saying, to IoT, machine learning, blockchain, like the technologies that are coming along with cloud. They're like, what is this going to be? You know, And I think maybe in eight yeah. to ten years we have a better idea then of well, where it's the, going. The, the exciting thing about that is the fact that you know the same questions – that we had back then in 2010, we have now with IoT and and machine learning. Because right now, you know, what are what are the assurance frameworks for IoT and machine learning? Like nobody really can answer that question. It's really a tough question. So for us in the compliance world, um, we really in the security world, we we really get excited about solving those kind of challenges. I think we're well positioned to do that in, in a way that's uh, industry leading. So a question we get. All the time, I think all of us in the organization, you know, within AWS, within the group, is how many certifications do we have at this very moment? <laughs> I know you want to answer that. <laughs> you know, the number of certifications, counting certifications, doesn't really tell us much. What really tells us more is whether or not companies, customers, can use AWS for like the regulated workloads. What I mean by that is like the, the audited workloads that are under heavy scrutiny internally in the company. If we can enable our customers to do that and we're, we get a certification that gives them that lift, then we pursue that certification. There's a lot of things out there that actually don't do that for customers. We're just not interested in those. Like We really are customer obsessed in this way. So, for example, we recently got um, uh, TSACs, which is a, you know, uh, an automotive based certification in Germany. Um, we didn't do that because our, our competitors did that. We didn't do that because uh, people thought it would be nice to have another certification. We did that because our, our customers said they had workloads, they're ready to go in the cloud, and they said if we had the certification, then that'll open up the gates for this kinds, you know, automotive manufacturing, these kind of workloads to go in the cloud. So we pursued that and, and won that certification. It happens to be that it's another certification on the full list of certifications that we have, but that doesn't really show a lot of real value if you just build as many certifications as you possibly can. Another thing is a lot of them are duplicative, like a lot of them overlap, and sometimes you can get a certification just by not doing anything. You just go and map the controls to a new framework, and then you call yourself certified. Like, is that really helping anybody? Not really. So we're really customer focused on this. We really want to enable the customer to move those kinds of sensitive workloads and those really mission critical workloads to the cloud. And we do that um, by by transparency. And 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 sometimes that means getting a new certification. So in the case where a customer comes to you and says, "Hey, if you guys could attest to this, that would help us prove to our auditors and regulators," that's when we would kind of move yeah. on a certification, then not just to have the next piece of flair. Right. Right. <laughs> and and you've really hit on the point of what my uh, my team is really focused on. That is helping our customers uh, go through that assurance, you know, create control frameworks in their own AWS environment in order for them to pass their audits, in order for them to make sure that everything's configured properly. One of the great things about the cloud is there's no dusty corners in the cloud. There's no like servers under the desk or attached hard drives that nobody knows about. Everything is there, API-driven, and through that system, through this environment, we have a greater opportunity to do much, much more transparent auditing and establishing guardrails and controls that allow customers to move into the cloud confidently and, and be able to be audited and make sure they're doing the right thing. 
I think Katie has a question from the inbox for you, but I did want to note that as one thing Chad mentioned there, certifications are attested to by a third party. Laws and regulations, of course, all cloud providers uh, should be following. And then yeah. frameworks can be released by uh, any third party saying, hey, it'd be cool if you did X, Y, and Z with your own control. So we've got those definitions on our website. Do take a look. It's worth noting the differences and the, the ones that have an auditor versus ones that are you know voluntary versus ones that are required by municipalities or states or uh, something like the EU, an entity. So Yeah. I mean, us, us uh, obeying laws like... <laughs> we do uh, it. You know, we, we follow the speed limits to work. Does that help you uh, <laughs> move your workloads to the cloud? I'm not sure. But um, a great thing about this and this problem we're having is there's so many industries. There's so, think of all the different types of companies that are using AWS. Just all kinds of companies from all different industries and verticals like state governments, federal governments tech industry, healthcare, like all these industries with all different kinds of compliance and security requirements, like we can serve them all. And that's the, that's the amazing thing about this environment, the AWS cloud. Awesome. Yeah, switching over to some customer questions, and we should know that this isn't legal advice. You must still inquire with your own legal counsel. <laughs> but Chad, um, first question is a little long, so let me know if you need me to repeat it. But Ali wrote, we'd like to use Amazon Transcribe services for transcribing audio files recorded by one of our clients. The client has a strong restriction that data must be stored within the U.S. Looking at your data privacy FAQ, we noticed the following clause. Some portion of content processed by Amazon Transcribe may be stored in another AWS region solely in connection with the continuous improvement and development of your Amazon Transcribe customer experience and other Amazon machine learning technologies. Our question is whether there is any mechanism to guarantee that the data will not be stored outside the U.S. Also, we can submit a request to have the data and transcriptions removed from your servers immediately after we download the transcriptions. Will that help to guarantee compliance with our clients' data privacy concerns? This is a big one. It's yeah. a big, big one. Oh, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, I would say that's a very complicated question, and, and I will say that um, you know we, we are transparent about what we're doing. You referred to the terms. Um, and, and you need to consult with your TAM or your solution architects to, to really kind of understand where your data is going and, and what's being moved across what borders. You know, n- in, in general, the the data that you um, you store in a region it stays in that region, and and nothing that we do at Amazon will will move it off or take it and store it in another region. The only exception to that is some metadata. So, for example, like billing and and and, and data like that, usage data does get moved, and it's not customer content. It's not the content that you upload into S3 or the content you're processing in EC2 but it's the things that help us maintain the service. And so in that case, there are some cases where we will move that kind of data off, but it's not uh, customer content. So um, the important thing is to really understand what you're putting in the cloud and, and how it's architected. Architecture on AWS can get complicated only because we have tons of services and we're releasing all kinds of services different kinds of services like machine learning type services. And so you need to understand those fully and make sure that you're you're architected properly. But the great thing about that is there's a lot of ways to control the data, encrypt the data, manage the keys, make sure that you're um, you have full control of and full transparency into what data you have in the cloud, where it is, how it's secured and where it's being processed. There also can be a natural tension between data locality and resiliency. 
if you you know have a system that's set up to fail over to a region that's not in country, then of course there's going to be some allowances for that as well. Absolutely. Well, and it's up to you, the customer, to architect that and to have that failover. The another great thing about the cloud back in the years before I started was the great like idea people were getting excited about was the fact that this can be done because failover to a new region. Unless you build out two regions, like it's really tough to get that done. And because we have such a great breadth of presence, you are able to fail over to have cold sites available, hot sites available based on your architecture. And so it really does enable customers that have a requirement for high availability to achieve that through using AWS services. And I think one of the things Ali's question gets to, sort of this down the road, is like using Transcribe, Poly, all these newer technologies, you know, when will they get into hospitals, schools? And I think that's something everyone is feeling out together right now. You know, how do we yeah. make sure it has the right controls while at the same time giving, you know, healthcare companies great access to great technology? I mean, there's, a, again, a tension there sometimes. Yeah. And there's a, there's a heightened awareness of privacy uh, concerns, um, obviously, in the world, GDPR is a good example. With the complexity of what's going on here, the different kinds of IT services and IT things we're doing in IT, to be able to properly manage that in a responsible way, that's that's why this is becoming a, a big topic. You actually segued really nicely there <laughs> to the question from Yvonne, oh, yeah? who wants us to confirm that after Brexit, we'll still be GDPR compliant, AWS. After not, Brexit? Not her, yeah, um, in particular. Yes, we will. We're not just going to give up on... <laughs> we're not, we're not uh, yeah, for Brexit, uh, whatever the outcome of, of Brexit happens, we will remain compliant with GDPR for sure. All right, so another customer wants to know if AWS is compliant to NIST 800-171. Well, NIST 800-171 is basically these requirements uh, are a subset of NIST 853, which is, is the base for the U.S. FedRAMP certification our compliance program, and so we do comply with 171. It is a subset. Therefore, those who need to map to that can look to our FedRAMP program as the authoritative source for that. And who should they talk to if they have more questions about that? Um, we have good solution architects that can help understand the mapping and, the, and how to map to the difference between those two. Also, our ProServe teams do this for customers, You know, go into the customer and help them map whatever framework they have, if it's a complex framework, to the AWS controls, you know, so sometimes it's a many-to-many mapping, and so we uh, we help customers do that a lot. One interesting compliance trivia note there that I think that you hit on was while GDPR may be best in show for privacy, FedRAMP among government you know certifications seems to be the best in show that other governments look towards. Can you talk about FedRAMP for a second and say why it's so robust? I'm not sure everyone in the world would agree with you on there, <laughs> but that's fair. Uh, but only because uh, the, the reason that's that's generally referred to is FedRAMP being the best example of a federal compliance program for cloud providers is because it is very it is very comprehensive. It was born out of the FISMA efforts in in the U.S. government. And it's basically the first comprehensive cloud accreditation certification program that existed. We got our first authorization in uh, 2013, and ever since then have been maintaining this big program. Other governments are looking to that because they see that it works, and we believe it does work. And the test once, rely many approach that the U.S. government is, has spearheaded there has really worked. Um, as soon as we got FedRAMP, it was a matter of socializing not only federal customers, but also state customers, that they could use it, leverage it, look at the evidence of that, 
and the continuous monitoring requirements help ongoing compliance. It's a really good model. Other governments are trying to find their way to, to make their own model. So that is a good example of a success story that they could they could refer to. And we regularly work with customers who work with um, policymakers and governments who are involved with this. We regularly have input into their programs and kind of show FedRAMP as a good use case of something that worked. And I think one thing, I know, Katie, you see this a lot as well, with compliance programs, security techniques, even privacy, there's very little net new. They usually start from something that has some basis in something that came previously. HIPAA is a really good example, too, of other countries looking toward established something that works and iterating off of that as well in the healthcare realm. Yep, it is very similar. The healthcare industry has some fundamentally different requirements but we've, we got our ISO 9001 certification a few years ago that kind of covered those aspects of it. But yes, there's a lot of customers in particular in Japan that have used that HIPAA compliance program that we have and the ISO 9001 certification program for their purposes as well and kind of tweaked what they require of cloud providers to make it work. So we've had good success there as well. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. Uh, customers out there, you can go to aws.amazon.com security or slash compliance for our resources, uh, videos, and white papers. And the AWS security blog offers news and how-to guidance. Thanks for listening.